It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Welcome once again to an estate planning essentials program. My name is Don Crawford Jr., the blessed and grateful host of this program, the owner of KWAM Radio, and in partnership with my attorney, who again for the thousandth time should be your estate planning attorney, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Don, how you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Welcome to another program. Welcome to the radio station. Uh, virtually, of course, we're not meeting there. We have to continue to do this over the phone, but. Maybe that'll be coming to an end soon, and um, I'm glad at least we're still able to educate the audience with the great information I think only you can provide because you're so current, you're so on top of this. I'm not going to ask you when you went to California on vacation a week or so ago if you worked. Did you work when you were away, or were you a good boy? Well, I, I must say I uh, looked at my emails and responded, uh, but uh, but I did try to relax some. Uh, okay. So. Good. You got to clear the brain and then freshen up, but you're always fresh for these programs, that's for sure. And today you want to uh, refresh us and give us some current information when it comes to people's estate planning and that, um, that complicated and threatening thing called undue influence. You know, a lot of times people think that, oh, you have a will, it's just going to be uh, approved no matter what, even if you have a no contest provision, that there's no problem, right? Yeah. But but there are a few equitable ar- arguments, usually lack of co- mental capacity, uh, undue influence, and duress. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most common thing would be either lack of capacity or undue influence. So remember, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we did a show on Charlie Pride and how the secret son had uh, contested the will. And in that case, uh, the... The son had alleged that Charlie Pride was in a uh, had diminished capacity and had was unduly influenced by his wife, where the secret son, the biological son, but only provided in the um, trust and will about fifty thousand dollars. Of course, Charlie Pride had an estate, I think, of around forty million dollars. So, uh, in any event, he alleged undue influence by the wife and business partner of Charlie Pride, longtime wife, decades long wife, but he's going for more. And so he alleged undue influence. So uh, the first, I'm going to talk about different things that we could do to reduce the risk of a successful claim for undue influence. Great. So the first one would be, you know, we just talked about mental capacity. So if your capacity is diminished, you're more likely to be unduly influenced. On the Charlie Pride situation, they said, oh, he had heart ailments, he had depression. But, you know, he'd gotten an award just, you know, that Country Music Award, Lifetime Achievement Award, just a month before he died of COVID. And then, uh, of course, the will had two disinterested witnesses that said he had capacity. 
but they're still saying undue influence. So uh, what you should do is if there's a question, I don't know that there was ever really that much of a question on the mental capacity of Charlie Pride, mm-hmm. but you know, this is just making it easier. It's just something that litigators do, and I must say that I'm not a litigator. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm just some nerdy planner. But <laughs> the, <laughs> the the bottom line is what, what the litigators do is try to put the two together The uh, because a if you're in diminished capacity state, then you're more likely to be influenced. So usually what we do when there's even a question, I don't even know if there would have been a question on the Charlie Pride situation, but usually when we have people, I say, oh, I don't know if this person has capacity or not, we get a geriatric psychiatrist or psychologist or a neurologist to sign an affidavit swearing that right very close to, if not at the time of the signing of the estate planning documents, that they had sufficient capacity to execute whatever, to sign whatever documents, whether it be a will or a trust or a power of attorney or whatever it may be, because um, this way, if it was ever somebody was ever called to court, then you could bring the uh, expert in the mine to court to show that the person had capacity at that time. And because if there if there was too much time in between that, then they could say, well, he really faded mentally over those few months, and that's why this is invalid. Right. I mean, cause, okay. so we say, yeah, yeah, because a lot of times people have lucid intervals. In other mm. words, you might you might uh, be fresh in the morning. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times, if you. Um, I know personally, I guess maybe the older I get, <laughs> the way it seems, but it seems like if I don't get much sleep, uh, I don't seem to think as well as if I had yeah. more sleep. Yeah. And if and usually in the morning, you're, a lot of times people are fresher. It's called a lot of times like people with Alzheimer's or some dementia, they have sundown. So it's usually uh, a lot of times people have more capacity or not always. It's Everybody's different, but... Uh, so you could have a lucid interval where you could say that they knew what they were signing then, but just a matter of hours later, they didn't have enough mental capacity. So so we tried to get an affidavit by some specialist in the mind, should there be a will contest, to say at the time of the signing of this, uh, these documents are close to it, that they had sufficient mental capacity. If you're having a will, I knew the bounty of my affection, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, and and we even say, <laughs> although I don't know how the doctors could do this, we say, and to the best of my knowledge, there was no undue influence. So uh, so we tried to reduce the risk by having the capacity affidavit uh, signed at or near the time of the signing of the documents. Although in Pride situation, I don't know that there was a question. I, I saw the Country Music Awards. It didn't seem like he didn't. Uh, now, this is just my personal opinion. This is not, uh, I said, you know, uh, you know, I'm not a doctor, but mm. it sure seemed like you had capacity then. All right. Another thing on, I'll mention, since I'm mentioning the pride situation, uh, he had a living trust. And usually, if you have a living trust, a revocable living trust, that's harder to contest mm-hmm. because, you, it's not, you know, when you go through a will process, it's easier to complain or contest. And in this case, he didn't fully fund this trust. Um, uh, I don't know for what reason, and I'm not sure which assets were not put in the trust, but he had probably a $40 million estate, but about $3 million worth of assets uh, were not in the trust. 
So therefore, they had to probate the will. And I guess I should explain that when you usually when you have a revocable trust, you should have what's called a poor over will, mm-hmm. because a lot of times the biggest mistake is that people fail to retitle their assets into the name of the trust. Mm-hmm. So if you have an individual account, uh, let's say you have an individual account where your Social Security goes, or just just have an individual checking or savings account, or maybe there's something else. Um, and you uh, didn't retitle it, except for maybe an IRA or something like that where it would be a taxable event. If you didn't retitle it, then uh, then it may have to go by your will. Right. And in that right. case, that's what happened here, is that they failed to fully fund the trust, and therefore they had to probate the will. And when they, pro- when they did the application for probate, that's when the secret son, the biological son, decided, okay, uh, I am going to contest, and he said mm-hmm. uh, the alleged undue influence and lack of capacity, and that he was um, uh, being influenced by the, in particular, by the spouse, but by others as well. So that uh, he's trying to say, well, I'm a biological son, and by law, if he didn't know what he was signing, it would go by laws of intestacy. And since I'm a child of a different relationship, I'll get more money than the fifty thousand dollars. So. You know, I, I so therefore I'm going for it. I, I, I'm sorry if I'm putting it in blunt terms, but that's the way I see it. Sure, it makes sense. Let me ask you real fast. It's like brushing your teeth for you, but when you say refund or retitle, what do you mean exactly? Uh, what do the right, what so, are the steps yeah. someone has to take? Oh, you know, let's say you have a a checking account uh, at your bank, mm-hmm. and it's in your individual name. Instead of saying. Um, Joe Blow is your name, mm-hmm. uh, then it'll be Joe Blow Trust or whatever you call the trust. And by the way, you could call a trust anything you want. So if you didn't want to call it the Charlie Pride Family Trust or something like that, you could call it whatever you want. I remember, uh, I, I remember the case where I had the wife whose name was Eden, and we called it the Garden of Eden Family yeah. Trust. Funny. <laughs> Yeah, so you can call it anything you want, uh, but most people put it like the name of that person, family, or revocable trust, because uh, that's that's just the most common thing. But anyway, it's it's going to the financial institution instead of it calling your individual name. It's whatever you call the trust. Okay, very good. Uh, in this case, uh, he didn't retitle all the assets. Um, another thing is uh, that you should know is that you should always put a no-contest provision in every will and trust. Mm-hmm. However, just by putting that in there, that may not be enough. In this case, I told you that uh, the son, whose name happened to be Tyler, said, okay, um, I only got 50000 You got a $40 million estate. That's not enough for me. I'm gonna, what do I have to lose, $50,000? And if I could get X amount of $40 million, well, I'll take my chances. Right. So, so a lot of times, what attorneys will do is you have to kind of say, "How much is it enough that I think that somebody would not contest? Mm-hmm. How much would it be? Fifty thousand on forty million probably wasn't enough, and mm-hmm. that may have been the biggest mistake that Charlie Pride may have made. So, how much is it? So, if you just have a no contrast provision that says you'll get ten dollars or anything like that. That doesn't really stop anybody. Now, it, it may deter somebody. We have it all the time a lot of times because, you know, 
a lot of times people, you know, quite frankly, they're not attorneys and they see the no contest provision uh, and they say, oh, well, I guess I better not do anything. But the reality is what they have to lose if it just says $10. Mm-hmm. Um, we always put it in in the event, but it really may not make a difference. And where the people uh, most likely to contest is when they don't get an equal share. So in this case, even though he was a biological child, he didn't get the same amount as the children born of the marriage. Now, I'm not saying that he's right or he's wrong. I'm just saying that what's the, usually the story on a will contest or a trust contest is when somebody doesn't get at least their equal share. Uh, and, the you know, although that didn't even do it, I remember one time we had a will that said all the spouse and then equally to the four children. And one of those dang greedy children said, that's not enough. I should get more than an equal amount. Mm. So there's, and they're saying undue influence. So people can always contest, even if it says equal. So, um, by the way, they eventually dropped that case because of the no contest provision that they did stand to lose even their equal share. And that's why you always put it in there. That's great. So, well, if I'm not someone, uh, when we always use the phrase heir beware, if I'm the heir who's not satisfied with what I'm inheriting, I would want to find out who created the estate plan. And if I see Michael Cohen's name on that, I run away. I don't even dare contest it because uh, I think you've, you, there's no rock unturned when it comes to you. And I think the audience is not only learning that, and it's better to be on your side than against you no matter what. But uh, the, the first step in that direction is to get Michael on your team, is to attend his next workshop, and to see for yourself either in person or online. Are there, are there workshops uh, still online, Michael, or can they be in person? Yeah. Well, okay. they're online for right now, but we'll be soon giving people the option to be in person or online. Great. Zoom or soon. Zoom or soon. Zoom now. Soon, maybe Zoom or in person. But the next one is Saturday, July the 17th. That'll be online for now. Uh, it's at 10 o'clock in the morning, and um, they're very educational, uh, you'll internalize a lot based on what you hear regarding other people's circumstances. You'll be able to ask a question uh, from Michael about your individual situation, and he will have insightful information and answers for you to the best of his knowledge. And Michael's great about that. He's, he's, he's that kind of guy who apologizes for certain things. A lot of people don't do that. Or more importantly, will say, I don't know, and I'll find out. It's rare because Michael is so on top of this. But the kind of person you want, not just the kind of attorney you want to create your estate plan, give you advice, information on that, or government assistance. So we want you to attend Michael's next workshop, and they're very effective, and they're once a month or so, sometimes twice a month. This one, again, is Saturday, July the 17th at 10 o'clock. I want you to dial 214-720-0102 to sign up, 214-720-0102. Or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. That's Michael's website. We can sign up that way, too. And they fill up very quickly. They're free. Uh, they don't cost you anything. You can zoom in via Zoom from the comforts of your own home that morning, run some errands, work out, do some gardening, whatever you do that Saturday morning, and then sit in on that call and ask a legal question for Michael, who I almost guarantee you will help you and help lift the fog if you have any currently. So sign up for that now, 214 Go to Michael, about 10 minutes left in the show. We're still talking about undue influence. What else can you tell our audience? 
You know, if you're having somebody who is a beneficiary mm-hmm. when you're meeting with the client, mm-hmm. uh, you should try to reduce steps that there could be uh, that person could have undue influence. In other words, um, if mm-hmm. uh, if that person should not probably be in the uh, room right. when you're talking to that person or when you sign the documents. One of the signs that uh, would be a bad sign would be, and I actually mentioned this to a client this week, uh, is where uh, I was talking about undue influence. In this case, the uh, there was a son and a daughter. Dad had died, and what happened was that uh, the son, who didn't have any assets, of course, was suing, uh, and uh, and now the mom uh, was in the office. Uh, and had been taken to the office because she probably couldn't drive by the daughter who was being sued as the executor that um, that the uh, son wanted to remove as an executor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this is not in uh, – that wasn't actually in Texas, but it really doesn't matter. The point of the story is I said, well, if you're being sued and we're talking about the mom – uh, about her assets or what she wants to do on part of her assets, it's probably best for you to leave the room. Uh, okay. And so we had her, the daughter, leave the room because there's already that red flag. We already know yeah. that, that the brother uh, wants to say, oh, she's not investing well or whatever uh, as an executor, uh, this or that. So, um, you know, we already know that there's a red flag because he's already sued before. So mm-hmm. if he sued once, he'll probably sue again. So he said, mm-hmm. uh, but it could be anybody, even if you didn't have that big red flag. Uh, sometimes if you feel like there's any potential, then really the beneficiary shouldn't be in the same room. Because- I couldn't agree more. I know how that works. I think we all know how that works, where you have enablers, manipulators, abusers there, and they don't have to say a word. But if they're present, as you well know, then that alone could create that kind of influence that is unfair and undue. And I really think it's smart that you excuse them from the room every chance you get. Yeah. Now, I was going to tell a story that I've told several times on the air before mm-hmm. uh, that is an illustration. Now, in this case, the mom had no teeth, had no teeth. So I could, I had the daughter in because I couldn't understand the mom. And all the mom had, she had, let's say, six children or something like that, and all she had was a home. And I said to her, "Um, can you tell me who you want your home to go to? And she garbled something, and I couldn't understand. I said, I'm sorry, I must be getting older. I must be, my hearing must be bad. Uh, But can you tell me again, I could not understand you, who that home goes to? And she garbled again. And I said, I'm so sorry, I can't Mm -hmm. understand you. And I said to the daughter, I said, do you know what she said? She said, oh, yes. She said, the home just goes to me. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so you say there's a que- there's definitely the question of undue influence. Of course, we said, no, I think we're going to st- skip away from this case. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you could have had it in writing and things like that. But the bottom line is this would be a classic example of undue influence. And you want to avoid that. They should be, if, if, if all possible, just as you said, this case, it was just that her she had no teeth. <laughs> it's hard to understand somebody talking without any teeth. I bet. Uh, as George Washington said, I'll cross that bridge when I come. Yeah, well, exactly. Anyway. <laughs> so um, another thing 
is maybe now I know that this isn't possible all the time, um, but maybe you should if there is somebody it's disgruntled. I know that there's times that people become estranged, but maybe you communicate with that disgruntled beneficiary and say, this is why I'm doing it. I'm doing this because um, so-and-so has given me care. Or maybe he's more, you're more financially set. Um, something along the reason why there's a reason why this person's getting more. Now, if I said they were getting more care, I had somebody, another person this week that they were talking about elder abuse, that we were concerned that the uh, client was depend felt dependent upon that one person and was less likely uh, to do anything because they're concerned that the person wouldn't give them that care. So you have to, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but the bottom line is communication is often a good thing, not necessarily because sometimes, you know, there's a lot of dysfunction in families. And, but if you can communicate, usually it at least instead of guessing as to why somebody got something lesser, then at least they have a, rationale and maybe maybe even the person who's signing the uh, will or trust uh, might think about well I didn't realize X and maybe they might change their mind uh, based upon whatever they hear uh, and so communication is often uh, a good thing uh, but not always <laughs> exactly so um, another thing uh, that is, that sometimes attorneys do is to be open in front of the witnesses. You know, sometimes I say, oh, they didn't read the will, uh, he didn't understand, he just said sign it. Just say sign it. He didn't explain anything, um, would be the argument of the one trying to say that the will wasn't good. So sometimes, although we have privacy issues, sometimes it may be good to say, you understand this is the way it goes. This is what happens under the will. So the communication, even in front of the witnesses, is sometimes a good thing. Now, normally, we don't do that unless we think that there could be a potential issue because of privacy concerns. There's a lot of things that attorneys do uh, that we look to see if there's undue influence. So, uh, on you know, for example, uh, let's say that that uh, a daughter was with the mom and she the daughter does all the talking on how things are to go and things like that. And if there was some sort of diagnosis of a diminished capacity, then that's a recipe for disaster yeah. uh, right there. Or sometimes, you know, if it went to a jury trial, uh, the jury may think that attorneys always take a lot of notes. And so they, the attorney may want to do uh, put down some notes so that if there was ever any kind of question, uh, this is what they said. Oh, I wanted this property to go this way. This was separate or community property and whatever. You know, especially, as you know, uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out when there's second marriages. Uh, that's always the big red flag. When somebody has a, either a child from a different relationship or has a second marriage, uh, at least in the estate planning uh, attorney's world, uh, that that's always uh, say, oh, oh, keep the antennas up because we're concerned uh, that um, one thing or bad, another bad thing will happen after that spouse dies. There's usually or often there's the case there's a dispute between the surviving spouse and the children of the first relationship uh, so or, or other relationships. So, you know, it's just kind of like this uh, Charlie Pride thing that we just talked about just a minute ago. 
this was a job born out of the relationship uh, with the marriage. I'm sure he was married for probably decades, many decades, because he was in it well into his 80s when he passed. Uh, so he had probably been married for over 40 years, I'm sure, maybe probably 50 or 60. Um, you know, people are living longer now. I saw that Jimmy Carter had his 75th wedding anniversary uh, wow. last week. Yeah, yeah, they said it wouldn't last. Well, anyway, the, <laughs> the the bottom line is, so there's a lot of things that attorneys look at to determine and maybe make notes if they think that there is some sort of, uh, well, at any time they could do it, because you never know what something what might happen in the future, although uh, a lot of times you think, oh, no, there's no big issue here. They've been, Jimmy Carter's been married a long time. Nobody's going to complain. Uh, Amy Carter's not going to complain or whatever, right. <laughs> especially it's only child in that situation. So, But in situations like the pride situation where there is a different child, and this is always a, a red flag. And I think the biggest mistake in their case was they didn't give enough money to the disgruntled uh, biological child, even mm-hmm. though they've been giving things in lifetime. And that's another thing you could do is to say, I, I give different things during lifetime, etc. Maybe you have beneficiary designations on different things to make things one way or another to fit your situation. But the the bottom line is, was it enough for him? And obviously, in his case, uh, the biological child said 50000 is not enough. And so they're contesting under the uh, presumption of undue influence because uh, Charlie Pride was business partners with his wife. Uh, there was other things that, um, you know, he had other things going on with other children or whatever, uh, and with the sister-in-law or whatever. And he said they unduly influenced him to cut him, uh, not necessarily cut him out completely, but give him a lesser sum. And right. I think that that lesser sum just wasn't enough when you take 50000 on $40 million. So that's kind of the lesson. So, uh, you know, undue influence is is the most common, probably, or lack of testamentary capacity are the most common things that people contest when you have estate planning documents. Uh, the suggestion, again, is uh, uh, probably to keep in consideration the uh, equity, uh, how much is can, can stop somebody, and perhaps to do a trust and do the other things that we've talked about here today would be ways to reduce, it's not guaranteeing, uh, reduce, but not eliminate the risk of a undue influence uh, claim or petition or lawsuit to change what your plan might be. There it is. There's a clear and present danger of undue influence, no matter what your circumstances are, who you are, family members, friends, doctors, caretakers, nurses, you name it. The undue influence is um, very possible and something you have to be aware of. Get more information about undue influence, estate planning in general, government assistance uh, from Michael Cohen for free at his next online workshop, which again is scheduled for Saturday, July the 17th. So that's coming up very soon at 10 o'clock in the morning online from the comforts of your own home. Just simply sign up by calling 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElder, E-L-D-E-R, Lawyer.com, our and should be your Dallas Elder Law Attorney, Michael Cohen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Don.
leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 